just a few uh, brief things I want to share with you uh, this morning. And uh, first, welcome to our Still Creek uh, family. It's a blessing to have you here this morning. Uh, I know that we have some recent state champions. So if, if the girls first. So if you played on a state championship basketball team, stand up. And then I, I believe the young men, you just won a state championship, correct? Would you please stand up? Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. You can be seated. Today is National Short Person Day. And uh, we have a few of those in our church. Yes, sir. Okay. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we've got a few of those. But uh, we're so grateful to have you with us this morning. James, where's James? I know. Just stand up real quick and uh, just give us a, we partnered with them for many years now and we're grateful to be able to do that. And just anything you want to share with us this morning, kind of a little bit of a history where you're at right now. Interesting things that we need. I know in our bulletin, we have the, uh, the food drive uh, for them and uh, all the information I think you need to know about the Still Creek food drive is there and we'll be participating in that as a church. But if there's anything we need to know and needs that you might have, anything, just let us know. Tell you, come up here and share if you want to. And yeah, I'll let him use that live mic over there. James is the director of the ranch. Well, uh, it's great to uh, be back with you. I've, uh, over the past six years that I've been at Still Creek, which that's crazy for me to say right now, that I've been there for six years, about to start a seventh. Um, we've had uh, different times that some of our kids have been in Awana's program here, uh, that I uh, assisted teaching in youth here a couple of times as well. And so it's good to be back with you all this morning. Uh, Pastor Aubrey mentioned the food drive, and y'all have always been so helpful to us in that, and I appreciate it. I know it was probably just last year, uh, it seems like anyway, maybe it was two years ago uh, with COVID stuff, who knows. But uh, I know that um, Mr. and Miss Rhodes called me, and I backed up not once, but probably three times uh, to pick up things that the, uh, the children in the church had uh, collected during the Awanas year. So. Uh, that always helps in the pantry. And speaking of, you know, um, Mr. Larry, I appreciate what you said about uh, the, uh, the ice and all because we had similar struggles out at the ranch. Uh, lots of things froze, lots of things broke. But more than anything, this group seated over here ate a lot. And uh, <laughs> that tends to happen when we're cooped up. So... Uh, it, but the spring is kind of a normal time where we make a push for a food drive and our pantry gets kind of bare. And so we're appreciative for the help. Sometimes we do that in the spring, sometimes we do it in the fall, but it is during the month of March and April, but there's really no time limit either. Uh, we have some very sweet people in the community that come out. One, one lady comes out every Friday and she texts me on Thursday, what do you need? And I give her two or three items and she comes faithfully every Friday. Mm -hmm. So um, though we have a, a push March and April, it never really ends because they don't stop eating. And uh, I don't either, by the way. So um, that being said, I just want to say that uh, the Lord has really blessed Still Creek Ranch. In fact, um, you know, we read a lot of times in the Bible about how God uses the weak to shame the strong. And if ever there was a year that was weak, uh, it's 2020, you know, mm -hmm. or a year that you wouldn't have expected uh, huge blessings to come from because of all the bad things going on in the world, if you would. But God used 2020 at Still Creek Ranch to bless us and to shame any wisdom that would have said, well, not in 2020, you know. So the ranch is in a good place. Um, we're growing, and, uh, you know, but at the same time, it feels like, uh, just like a rose bush, a lot of times you prune something to see growth. And I've seen a lot of that over the past six years. And so uh, not only uh, are we growing, uh, we have grown, and we're poised for more growth. So... Um, just thank you uh, for 
uh, your prayers. I know that we have those from y'all. I know that we have monthly support from y'all. And I know that when we have a push like this with our, our food drive, that you respond as well. The list is rather short. It may seem strange, but we have given pieces of a list to many different groups and churches so that we don't overburden any one church or group with uh, different things. So uh, you'll see a rather short list. You're not constrained to that in any way, Amen. but it does help just kind of spread that around the community. So thanks again. We appreciate y'all. Love your church, and uh, thank you for loving on us so well. Thank you, James. Thank you very much. I, just for the congregation to be aware of, uh, this is something that we're going to be a part of our regular uh, calendar. Uh, we have a newsletter out there that you can, uh, we've emailed it out. We obviously are going to be doing a monthly newsletter as well. But uh, we, we have asked uh, Still Creek, it's a very, it's a great encouragement to us. And I know uh, hopefully will be an encouragement to you. We've asked them to come once a quarter and as we're ministry partners, the House of Hope is going to be here the third Sunday of each month. Uh, SOS, we're scheduling with them. Uh, you may not be aware of it, but on Mondays and Tuesday, we have uh, two homeschool groups that meet here, Classic Conversations. We've got weeks for them to set up. I know we're going to do an Awana day, but uh, one of the things, maybe even a little bit unique to that and different, we're just going to ask them to come and be a part of our worship too, so that we have that fellowship together and we see the people that God has allowed us to partner with in ministry and uh, looking forward to that. We'll have SOS quarterly and Still Creek and House of Hope monthly and all those other folks that we ministered to as well. Claudia, it's good to have you back. I embarrassed uh, the Dunlaps last week, so as uh, things are changing and the weather is warming and a vaccine has been available and uh, it's good to see more and more people coming in. And we've just been blessed. I, I would say to you, James, and even in this year, God has allowed us to continue to have new people come into our fellowship and membership. And God is just faithful. And uh, it is good. It's encouraging. It's been a difficult year. And, uh, and this year started off difficult as well. Uh, but yet God is on the throne and he is going to be glorified. And uh, we always have much to give praise and glory to him for. Anyway, thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, each of us here probably has a special place in our heart for what you do. Um, and uh, it is that Matthew 25 ministry. It really is. It's servanthood to the glory of God and uh, that very basic need where we're supposed to... Uh, you know, if the church was full of people that didn't want their way and just could come and say, what can I do? What can I do? Not about me and what I want in my way, but what can I do to serve and help? Man, that's where we need to be. And uh, so what a, what a blessing. Thank you again for being here. Uh, I do want to say, because we didn't do this last week, but I, I skipped Colton's birthday and Blake's birthday. And today, David Kalenbrink, it's your birthday. And I think in the bulletin, I just want to do this real quick. We'll start our service with a little joy this morning. Uh, so birthdays that I know right now, Cassandra Cotton, she's not here. Stacy Cravey's not here, but you have uh, right now David Canterbury. Let's just do this. and We'll just do it for the month of March, Mark. You, you don't have to do it with the piano, but you can. But in also our Steel Creek people, if you have a March birthday, stand up. March birthday, stand up. Amen. March birthday. Yeah, stand up, Mark. Okay. And uh, let's see. Blake, where you at? Blake, you have to stand up. You had, what, no, was it Blake that had his... Yeah, it's February. It's, who was it? Colton and then Rick. Yeah, see, do back here. There, you got to stand up. Yeah. Well, who had who had the uh, February birthday? That was. Yeah. So, Black, I want you to stand up. A month late, you get to stand up. Embarrassed. We embarrassed him on a Wednesday night Zim. I'll stay away from this mic. So, and if you have an anniversary, stand up. So, anybody got an anniversary? March anniversary. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Let's give Mark start us. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear everybody. Happy birthday to you. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. As you're going there, I want to ask you a... A little bit of a probing question this morning, and uh, 
I'll just do this very quickly. If, uh, if I were to ask you, uh, Molly, I'll pick on you. It's not a national short person, but you're tall, so and you're a state champion. Uh, so if I said, what kind of person are you? And you would just tell me something. You don't have to tell me in front of all these people. But if I ask your mom and dad, what kind of person is Molly? They would, you could tell me, couldn't you, James? Okay. Uh, it, it, your teachers could probably tell me. Your friends could tell me. They all would say. But then if I define that a little more, if I said, okay, what, what makes you tick? What inspires you? What drives your thinking? What motivates you? Now, it's not just what kind of person you are, but it's defined to the things that, uh, that drive you and motivate you and inspire you and encourage you and challenge you. Now we're being a little bit more specific, right? Then it becomes personal. Uh, the Bible demands that from you and I. God's word demands. For if you and I are going to be in a right relationship with God, the Bible demands that you look at yourself and you examine yourself from the point of what drives me, what inspires me, what challenges me, what convicts me, what motivates me, and have an honest conversation in light of your relationship with God. Now, if you say that you're a Christian, what does that mean? Well, it means you're a follower of Christ, okay? So you say, well, uh, okay, I'm a Christian. So if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Christ, what should then motivate you, inspire you, convict you, challenge you, encourage you? What should that be? And where could you find it? Okay, the Bible. It's not been left for you and I to guess. It's just not. I mean, we, we really won't have an excuse. We, we couldn't be able to stand before God and say, okay, I'm a follower of your son, I'm a Christian, I'm of Christ, and I don't know what that means as far as my motivations, my drive, my encouragement, my convictions, my challenge. We won't have that excuse. The Bible says that the invisible attributes of God have been made known through the creation. If you're a Christian a follower of Christ, you ought to see the creation different than someone that's not a Christian. If you're a Christian, Paul writes to the Ephesians, the manifold wisdom of God has now been made through the church, the body of Christ. Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to build a church, a body of Christ, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So if you're a Christian, you should be able to see the creation, the invisible attributes of God. If you're a Christian, you're the body, you're part of a body, a family, children, which is called church, the assembled, the called out and assembled people, the ecclesia of God. So you, you could, you're supposed to learn what a Christian is motivated by, inspired, challenged, encouraged, convicted as the body. So the creation, the church, uh, God's word. We could camp right there on that statement and just, uh, I, I think you could preach without stop for a month right out of scripture about the scripture. The scripture is the inspired word of God, 2 Timothy 3, chapter 3 and 16, that it means, Paul would say that all the scripture is inspired by God for teaching and reproof and rebuke and the building up of that individual, a Christian, to know what teaches, what motivates us, what convicts us, what all those things. So we have the creation, we have the church, we have the word of God, and then we also have the Holy Spirit. So God has provided as for a follower of Christ, the creation, the church, his word, and the Holy Spirit. We, we have been given, as God saves us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now having said that, now say, okay, right here in Philippians, it is my favorite book in all of the New Testament, other than the Gospels based upon the, just the line of questioning and the thought that I, I presented to you this morning. So Jesus would say in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay, 
And I mentioned this previously. So you and I then have the responsibility of determining what God says is an abundance. I know what the world says is an abundance, Dave. I know what the world. The world says an abundance is a whole lot of money and a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of whatever I want. That's not the Bible. That's not what God would say about abundance. But he, Jesus said he came, you and I are followers, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. Need to understand what he says. Paul, that's where Philippians, and the question that I posed to you this morning, uh, Paul would say to the Philippians, I have learned the secret to be content in any and every circumstance. Now, I've, I've said this over the last couple of weeks. Wouldn't you like to have that secret? Wouldn't you like to be able to say like Paul, I believe that Jesus Christ, what he said was true. He came so that I might have an abundant life. Not just an abundant life, something more than I could imagine. And then the understanding of that would have to do with my contentment. It's amazing to me the number of Christians that I see that are not content. I understand why they're seeking their contentment in earthly things and not spiritual things. So I understand that. But, but Jesus made the comment, Paul says, I have learned the secret, learned the secret, to be content in every circumstance. By the way, we never stop learning, do we? We never stop learning. From the day you're born to the day you die, you're learning something. It may not be godly. It may not be profitable, but you're learning something. And Paul said, I've learned the secret to be content in every circumstance. And then the key to understanding all of that lies in chapter 1 and verse 6 where Paul says, for I'm confident of this very thing. I guarantee you one thing I know about state champions. I, I do know about state champions. Uh, I, our senior year, we won a state championship in 1977, and, and uh, it was no five or six, it was just 4A football. I had the opportunity to coach teams uh, that were able to reach that plateau. It was a wonderful thing to be a part of all that. One of the things that has to happen to, to reach that peak is there has to be confidence. It has to be. People that are not confident uh, don't win anything. They just don't. And it's an inspiring thing when a team can become confident. You can see confidence. So Paul would say, I'm confident of this very thing, that God, who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ. Again, wouldn't you like to be the kind of person, as a Christian, a follower of Christ, say, I've learned the secret. I have learned it, to be content in every circumstance. And I'm confident, as I've learned that secret, I'm confident of this, this very thing, that God who began a word, good work in me will complete it, perfect it until the day of Christ. Statement said, the standard has been set, and now, on your handout, I want you, we're going to read this passage of Scripture. And on the, uh, on the sermon handout, uh, let's see what I did with mine. Yeah, here it is. You'll see on that sermon, this is uh, a brief outline of the statements that uh, Paul makes in this series of verses we're going to read. Uh, and so, let's begin in verse 3, chapter 1 of Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Think of abundant life, learning the secret of contentment in every circumstance, good or bad, and the confidence that you have that God is, will perfect the work in you. And then the very first challenge there is a statement. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I'm going to ask you, do you thank God in all your memories? Just look at your memories. Let's just keep looking at the challenge, the encouragement, the conviction. Verse 4. Always, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. So, your prayers. We did the Lord's Prayer this morning. Uh, your prayers. Are, are, are they thankful and are they joyful? See, I'm convinced even the Lord's Prayer, I'm convinced. It's this high language, and it's from the Lord, and it's out of the Sermon on the Mount. 
I am convinced that if you were to frame that prayer, our Father who art in heaven, that man, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is a thankful, that statement is full of gratitude and it is full of joy. It is. So just, there you go, follower of Christ. Verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Are you participating? Do you, would you say my life is a part, it's a participation in the gospel. And not just, it's not just by myself, it's with someone, okay? He says, yes, he says, in the gospel, your and his, so this gospel, verse six, there you go, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a, work, a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So if you looked at your gratitude, your joy, your participation, and your confidence, where does it come from? I mentioned this morning the book of Ephesians, but you can do this in the entire Bible. You are in one of three places. The entire culmination of your life, you are existing second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, week by week, your, your entire life, you're in one of three places that has to do with your gratitude, your joy, your participation, and your confidence. And this is, we did this when I was in the College of Biblical Studies. This was a 15-week assignment. You're in one of three places your entire life. You're either with God, with yourself, or with Satan. There's never a moment in your life, not one, your thoughts, your actions, your uh, whatever you're doing, confidence, lack of confidence, gratitude, lack of gratitude, joy, bitterness, whatever it is, you're one of three places. You're either with God, participating in him, confident in something, confident in your own abilities, confident in something satanic. Well, you say, how can somebody be confident in something satanic? You say, how could he? Listen, if you've made an idol of something, it's satanic. And by your own impression, you may think, well, that's not really satanic. Your money can be satanic if it's your money. You've made an idol of it. Now, I could even get more personal. But every second of your life, every struggle you're involved in, every relationship you're involved in, Everything, every moment, you're, there, there's some, you're participating, confident, thankful, joyful, or the opposite of that, either with God, with yourself, or with Satan. Irrefutable. You couldn't misinterpret that. You couldn't say, well, that's not the way I'd interpret that. It's not, you couldn't do that. You're either living with God, with yourself, which is far a greater, listen, our self living with ourselves is many times way more problematic than living with Satan. If you're a Christian, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've been given the gift. I mentioned this in class this morning. Would you know what that means? If you're a Christian, John would say, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If you're a Christian with the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit, you've been told and assured and you have confidence, you can be thankful, you can have joy, you're participating with the Holy Spirit, you can say, resist him and he'll flee. And I mentioned to Julius this morning playing football on the offensive and defensive line, and this is the truth, and it would be well served if Christians understood this. He was on the Normandy football team. He had the best season I think you guys have ever had, right? Undefeated, went deep in the playoffs. He played both ways. And... Uh, and, and I asked him, because he, he was a lot of fun to watch. Tough guy. Ball of energy. You know? And I, I don't think you'd make that national short day, but you're kind of, you know, kind of built. He's like that fire plug there. He, maybe being short and red hair has something, because, you know, Don Caleb brings over there. But he's built like that fire plug. He's low to the ground. He's strong. He's stout. He'd move guys around. But I mentioned, I said, did you... Could you tell? And I knew what he would answer. When you, when you knew in that, that trench in a football game, this person, I can resist this person and they'll flee. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in this person. Oh, he knew. He knows. You can see it. All you can do is watch film. 
You can tell who's doing the resisting. You can tell who's doing the fleeing. You can tell who's got more strength. You can tell who's weaker. You can't. It's the same way in your Christianity. If you're a follower of Christ, you ought to be able to have confidence. It doesn't matter what's going on. Paul was saying to the Ephesians that our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. But if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Christ, Man alive, you have the power and the strength and an assurance that you ought to be thankful, joyful, confident, participating with. You would just say, hey, I can resist Satan and he'll flee. Greater is he who is in me and who he is in the world. Are you there? Are you? And if you're not there, why not? So this all is tied together. We keep reading. It says there, so verse 7. For it's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, with you all are partakers of the grace with me. Now, here's a question for you. As I said, are you a Christian? What drives you? What motivates you? What does that look like? What convicts you? Let me ask you this. It's just a domino effect. The abundant life, learning the, 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 the secret of contentment in every circumstance, Confident in God, what does your heart defend and confirm? And what are you partaking in? I did a whole sermon on that a couple of weeks ago. That's the question. The writer of Proverbs would say, you better guard your heart above all else because from it the wellsprings of life flow. Paul would write the Romans with the heart we would believe. Jesus would write, the heart is above all else wicked. But I'm going to tell you something, church. If, you're, if you are spiritual enough, desiring of the things of God enough, you'll ask yourself that question. And you may not like the answer. But you could say, what is my heart defending and confirming? Is it the things of God? Is it with me? Or is it with Satan? And if it's not of God and you've made an idol out of it, it's with Satan. There's only one of the three options that are good. What is your heart defending and confirming? And who are you partaking with? Who are you partnering with, associating with, and sharing with? You're either, the word partaker, you're either partnering with God or partnering with our biggest partner is ourselves. What did Pogo say in World War II? I've seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. It's me. Are you partaking with Satan? A follower of Christ with an abundant life, learning the secret of contentment, confident in the work of God, will be a partaker of grace. Verse 8, I mentioned this last week. Verse 8, let's read it. Hmm. For God is my witness. How long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus? How would you like to be in a justice setting, a court setting, and you had to call a witness? Who would you want to be your witness? I guess my greatest burden for professing Christians as I have watched and listened and heard and seen and many times people that have gone to church for many years and without judging them, but the evidence of their lifestyle is very obvious. This ought to scare, this ought to, this ought to, this ought to be the greatest fear you could ever have in your life because I, instead of saying what if, let me change that. You and I will. We will, we will be before the judgment seat of God. And who's going to be your witness? It's going to be you. You're going to be your witness. Based upon what? Based upon the things you're thankful for, your joy. Your participation in the gospel, the confidence of God, a heart that defends and confirms the gospel, 
that you've been a partaker of grace. Instead of having your way, you, it's just like Jesus. Not, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll just see the greatest picture of a partaker of grace is right there in the garden. The night before he'd be betrayed and go to the cross, he would say a prayer, and he would pray, and his sweat would become like blood, and he would say, Father, remove this cup from me. He said, but however, not my will, but your will be done. At that point, you and I became a partaker of grace because of the life of grace of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his obedience to the Father. When he was on the cross, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Partakers of grace. Where are you lacking? Who's going to be your witness when you won't forgive someone? Jesus says, he just says it. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And who are you going to be with in your defense of the gospel when you try to present a case that I was justified in not forgiving this person? Oh, what a dark, dreary, hateful, doomful, miserable entrance into an eternity of damnation. Because you will have been rightly judged on your witness. Breaks my heart when I see the condition of the church where there's not a partaking of grace. There's a demanding of my way. A selfishness, a lack of forgiveness, conspiring. But it's right here. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Hmm. God is a witness of my affections. Verse 9. Prayer. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge. In all discernment. If all the knowledge that you have that you use to determine what your belief system is, if it's not abounding in love, abounding in love, still more and more. Again, who are you with? You with God, with yourself, or with Satan? But I'm going to tell you something. If you're with God, Something happens. If you're with God and you're participating in the gospel and you're confident that he's going to finish his work, he's going to perfect it, you're thankful and you're joyful and you, you can trust that God is your witness, your real knowledge and your real discernment it will be sure that my love is abounding more and more. Here's a way to challenge yourself. And, and I don't care if you're 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80, or 90. Could you say, as a Christian, a follower of, of God, that, my, that a prayer has been answered, and I can see it in my life, and that is my love is abounding more and more because something is abounding more and more in your life. Something. It's either going to be the love of God or it's going to be the love of self. Or it's going to be the love of an idol. The love of my stuff. The love of my rights. Then it's satanic. It may be self, but it'll always partner up with Satan. Something to challenge, okay? Now, verse 10. So, all this, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Are you approving things that are excellent? If you're with God, you are. If you're with yourself, you're not. And if with you, Satan, you're not. You're proving something. You're proving something, but it ain't excellent. It is not excellent. These things are challenging. And then, verse 11. 
having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You go to Galatians, and again, you can see that with God, with me, or with Satan. He talks about the deeds of the flesh. Oh, the deeds of the flesh. They're, really, they're there. Immorality, greed, envy, gossip. Don't get mad at me. Pride, ego. Because again, you're filled with something. And, or you're filled with the fruits of righteousness. What are, the, what, are the, what, are, what are the fruits of the Spirit? They're right there in Galatians. And Satan, you know what he does? The Bible says that he presents himself as, a, as, as a, an angel of light. But, but one thing Satan cannot do, he cannot produce fruits of righteousness. Can't do it. You can't do it. You and I can try to do it. And that's why Isaiah would write that man's righteousness is a filthy rag unto God. So you could say, well, what, what I think is right, uh, it's not satanic. But if it's not the fruit of righteousness that God, a follower of Christ, in his abundant living, learning the secret to be content in every circumstance, confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, uh, you, you, you'll only be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And then finally, here it is. Now, you know, listen, I ask you, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? And you just look at these verses, if you're like me, and I don't mean this isn't false humility. I'm going to tell you what. Aubrey, in, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am not always thankful in all of my memories. I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes my joy is lacking for the wrong reasons. In fact, Jesus would say, blessed are you when you mourn. But that's a different sermon for a different day. But, but when I put this in its proper context, my joy isn't based upon the things where I should be finding joy. This is my struggle. I would tell you that uh, the, I would say this, and I have to be very careful. It's different for me because this is my life. Now, I was a church member many years before I was a Christian or, or a preacher. Well, that was a, I could preach a sermon on that. But, but, but I was a Christian many years before I was a preacher. But I had the most wonderful experience in my life. I had great spiritual mentors that said, Brother, we need to put you to work for the Lord. And so it was the Matthew 25 model, but it was, it was bus ministry and youth ministry and jail ministry and prison ministry and Matthew 25 ministry and a place like Steel Creek, that's ministry, church, it's ministry, all these things. And so I could say from sunup to sundown, at some point in my life, I am participating in the gospel. But I have to tell you, there's other things that Aubrey's participating in. They are not good news. I am confident of the work of God in my life. That I am absolutely confident in. Not because of anything that has to do with me, but everything that has to do with him. But I am confident of that. I, I, the majority of people in my life, I would say 95% of them are partakers of grace. I mean that. What a blessing. I do believe, and this is not said again, but I do believe that as my knee will bow and my tongue will confess, as we're all going to do, that God has instilled in me the faith and the understanding and the following that says God is my witness. 
I will not have to fear that on the day of judgment. I do not say that proudly. Paul would say to the Philippians, let each man work out his fear with salvation and trembling. He would say, I have fought this fight. I have this, not that I've already gained it, but I strive forward. And I don't take any credit for any of that. But I, I'm just telling you where I'm at. There's many things that I'm ashamed of. I'm challenging you. Do you approve the things that are excellent? Most of the time, not all the time. Have I been filled with the fruits of righteousness? Yes, I believe that I have, but my flesh is still evident. So what's a man supposed to do? It's right here. If you've gone down this list just like I did, and you say, I don't like what I'm seeing here. I don't like this. this does, maybe this applies to my church life, but it doesn't apply to my marriage. Maybe this applies to something here but not there. You may not like it. You may say, well, what's my grade? I don't know, C, D, I don't know. But if you want to fix it, the Bible not only gives us the what, the where, the, the if, the why, the picture, the prescription, the recipe, but it always gives us the answer. And this is so simple. I'm going to ask you one final question. God will know. You should know. What are you progressing in your life? What is the progression of your life? You are progressing something. There's progress in your life. Molly, I'm picking on you again. Just because I can see you and I know your name. You, you are progressing something in your life. You really are. Now, I'm going to pick on you from another dynamic in a good way. Just your time here, you always have a smile on your face. You have godly parents. You, you don't, you're not really, maybe you're loud on a basketball court, I don't know. But you're a joy to be around, very humble. I can see a progression of something in your life that is, appears to be spiritual to me. Based upon love and grace and all, I can. And I know you're not perfect. I'm sure you're not. It's not what I'm talking about. Dad laughed. So, <laughs> but, and I'm, I said, I'm picking on you. But the truth is, whether you're a teenager, an older person, you, you're progressing something in your life. There's a natural progression in your life. The saddest thing is when we fool ourselves to think, I'm a pretty good fellow. In light of what? Normally we will say that because we believe that we have committed ourselves to the progress of something. And, and, and usually it has to do with what we think is right or wrong. And I'm accomplishing, you know, the right and wrong of the goals of my life. This is the most powerful statement in this teaching. I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. The Greek word there translates progress. Now just go to Romans 5 and we'll be done because I could have gone many places. I could have said, you know, the gospel. Well, it means the good news of God. Lots of stuff about the gospel. But are you progressing this? Is this the, the spiritual, intellectual, emotional, physical progression of your life? It, this will answer it all. If you have any questions in your mind about this list here of what a follower of Christ, this is what motivates them, inspires them, teaches them, this is, this is it. And then the answer say, well, okay, I'm failing in those areas. I'd like to do better. And Paul says it has to do with the progression of your life, what you're progressing. What's the gospel? And the church has really not done a good job with the gospel in many occasions, but all you really do is got to go one place. Well, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It, that's nice, and I love that word. It's a great word, but even the demons believe. So what does that mean? Well, this is what it means. Romans chapter 5, this is all you got to know. Is you, you take this verse and frame it and say, I now know if I'm progressing the gospel. 
I won't have to preach a sermon on this. The scripture that preaches the sermon. Are you a follower of Christ? And then here is all the things that that looks like, Paul's life, who's learned a secret to be content. And here's how you know if you're progressing the gospel. Because we're all progressing something. Verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I am progressing the gospel, I'm at peace with God. I am through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. That's a mouthful, but either you understand that Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith, and you either understand in Ephesians 2 you've been saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. Jesus is the author and perfecter of that faith, and faith comes by hearing the story of Christ, Romans 10, 17. So you understand grace, faith, and Jesus, they're all tied together. They have nothing to do with me. It's not my grace. It's not my faith. Uh, it's not. It's not my. It's his grace, his faith, and his salvation. In Ephesians 2, although you were far off, he brought you near by the blood of the cross. So there you stuff. And then you go, uh, so, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. I hate trib. I hate it. I hate tribulation. I don't, I can't do what James and First P. I can't find joy, but I'm getting there. I'm getting better at it because I know the truth, the progression of the gospel. Verse four, and perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. And now here's the gospel. Here's the progression of the gospel. Here it is. You want to be a follower of Christ. Here's the standard by which you can learn and know and do. And these are your actions, your challenges, your convictions. Here it is. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out uh, within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, you can have peace. You don't have to be disappointing. You, you can be sure. You can have hope. Why? Because God did something. His love he poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit as a gift. Now listen, here it is. And this is where the church fails. This is where we come up short. This is why this list can't be accomplished. We can't look at it and say give ourselves a, gray, a good grade. Verse 6, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You'll never progress the gospel unless you understand that very clearly that you and I were helpless and we're ungodly. Satan, there's no gospel in your power, your strength, and your godliness. And the church is full of people that literally have never come to the conclusion and have not heard the gospel correctly preached and so therefore could never progress it. It's a Mickey Mouse gospel that says, I'm good enough, you're not good enough, and I'm not good enough, and there's no not one of us good enough. And God isn't concerned about your righteousness or my righteousness. It's a filthy rag unto God. And if you want to live as your God, your God, and your righteousness, go straight on the highway to hell and get there as quick as you can. Because there's no gospel in it. There's no gospel in it. There's only hateful, evil, selfishness. And the gospel says that at the right time, you'll progress the gospel when you understand at the right time, man, I was helpless. And at the right time, God, Christ died for the ungodly. I want to be in a church full of people that says, man, oh Lord, dear Lord God Almighty, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. Man, all I want to do, I just want forgiveness. I just want to serve. Jesus Christ said I came to serve and not be served. I'm ungodly, I'm helpless. But for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps the good man, someone would dare even to die. And here is the finality of the gospel. Please learn this. You'll never learn this. You'll never have an abundant life. You'll never learn the secret of, uh, of being content in circumstance. You'll never be confident of the God, the work that God has done in your life till you understand this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we'll be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, 
will be saved by his life. That's the gospel. Are you progressing that? Is that the progression of your mouth, your eyes, your heart, your attitude? I've gone on this morning. I don't care. Is that important? Is that what you're progressing? Is that the progression of your life? Because it is, if it is, oh, what a beautiful day that day will be that we can exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Before I can love my enemy, I need to do that. I need to understand that. So I want to leave today and I hope the thought is seared into your heart and the challenge is seared into your mind and your heart and your spirit. What are you progressing? Are you progressing the gospel? None of us ever do it fully and completely. But we certainly, God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit in his word in the body of Christ to accomplish it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, my prayer is that if there's bitterness in our heart, if there's anger or malice in our spirit or stubbornness, if there's a self-righteousness in us and an immaturity that exists in our heart and our spirit and our mind, that you would remove it. And Father, that you would remove it as we understand the gospel. That at the right time, you died for an ungodly sinner like me. You died for an ungodly sinner like me. Thank you for your son who accomplished all your goodwill and kind intention on the cross. And it is in the pure and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.